Psalm 91 doesn't come with a title. The previous one was written by Moses, so Psalm 91 could be also written by Moses. And certainly as we go through it, um, some of the imagery, uh, such as the terror by night, the plague and the pestilence, and the journeying fits with Moses and the events that we, we read about in the Exodus. Uh, a famous preacher called Spurgeon, he, he says of the psalm that, uh, he says that it, uh, in the whole collection of the psalms, there is not a more cheering, not a more cheering uh, psalm in the Bible. Its tone is elevated and sustained throughout. Faith is at its best and speaks nobly. And he talks about uh, a German uh, doctor who uh, was wont to speak of it as the best preservative in times of cholera, and in truth it is a heavenly medicine against plague and pest. And Spurgeon suggests that he who can live in its spirit, the spirit of this psalm, will be fearless, even if once again London should be afflicted like this, with plague and pestilence. So with that in mind, uh, in a, we're going to pray and ask that uh, we would uh, see clearly the encouragement that Psalm 91 uh, speaks uh, of this morning. Let me pray. Father, we ask indeed that you would help us as we come to your word this morning. Bring us encouragement. We need it greatly. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you are saying, eyes to see what you are like, and hearts that would believe and trust, even though there are things that make us feel afraid. Help us, please, to be those who turn to you and run to you for refuge. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, in a world full of uncertainty and threats, Psalm 91 can help us. The Psalm uh, helps us to see the protection. Uh, that God offers protection, security, and ultimately salvation. It helps us to see what God is offering. Uh, that idea is introduced to us right at the start in the opening verse, which says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, in this opening verse, the first line, the first line tells us what we have to do. And the second line tells us what you discover when you do it. In other words, take refuge in God and you will find safe lodging. Now, it's good just to think about what's been described here. It's saying that whoever dwells in God or makes him his home, will be welcomed into his family. That's the idea of whoever dwells. And that person will find rest or lodging with God, despite having no natural right to this. It describes the stateless refugee who finds 
lodgings. It's, it's the wonderful truth of the Bible and the gospel. God offers himself as a secure home for his people. I want to imagine, if you will, uh, a dangerous and threatening neighborhood, and that in that neighborhood, we have been given a house that offers total protection and security, a fortress. Why then would we choose to sleep away from this home out in the street in a pop-up tent? I want to suggest that's the challenge for us this morning, that we're prone to look to other things other than God for our ultimate protection, security, or salvation. And when we do that, it's like choosing a pop-up tent over the permanent fortress, the house that he's offering. Psalm 91 is an encouragement to stay with God for refuge and not to run to other things. It's saying God's people have a permanent home. Make sure you are living there in him. So what does this home offer? Well, let's get into the first section. We're going to look at verses one to four. And I want us to see there that if God is your refuge, you are protected. If God is your refuge, you are protected. The psalmist gives us in these opening verses two contrasting pictures of God's protection. First, a fortress in verse two, and then in verse four, a mother bird. And that's the image that we were talking about with the children earlier. First, the fortress, well, that's an image of strength, strong, thick, high walls that cannot be broken. Arrows and spears just bounce off it. The image fits perfectly with the names of God that are used in these opening verses. The Most High, the Almighty, Yahweh, the Lord, the Creator. So an image of strength, but also this image of the mother bird. That gives us a different thought about protection because feathers and wings are essentially fragile. I was, I was recently reminded of this when I had to pick up a real live chicken and I had it in my hands and I was struck by two things. First of all, it felt like I could squash it just by doing nothing. It was completely fragile. And secondly, it felt so light. It was like there was nothing in there, maybe just an egg rattling around. I, di I didn't actually do that. But what I also noticed was how soft its feathers were. It's uh, not an image of, of strength, but it's still a wonderful image of protection. You see, the mother bird offers protection. As verse 4 says, under the wings, the mother bird uses her body to cover her young, to shelter them from the hot burning sun and from the cold. And she protects by bearing the brunt of those threats herself. She loves her young and she will not abandon them. This caring protection speaks to us of God's love for his people. And in times of trials, when hard things are happening, we, we need both these images. We need to remember both God's strength and his love, as we've just sung, that he is bigger and that he is loving. And that's, that's hugely important, because if we're in the fowler's snare or facing deadly pestilence, 
we don't naturally feel this protection that has been described here. Of course, we, we, we see and we feel the threats, but we don't see and feel a giant fortress round about us. We don't, we don't see a giant mother bird to run to and hide under. The psalmist, though, wants us to trust that God's protection really is there. And he pushes that home with the last line of verse 4, where he says this, His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. In other words, he's describing something that is totally surrounding you, that, that has no gaps. And he's saying that that is God's due to God's faithfulness. God's protection is there for the believer. God is bigger, stronger, loving, and faithful. And you can trust him. If God is your refuge, you are protected. I just want to pause now and just ask the question for us to reflect on. What is it that we take refuge in, in life? What is it that we think will offer protection in life? It could be big things here. It could be small things. And I want us to consider that actually, going back to that, earlier illustration, they're merely pop-up tents. Now, you know yourself what you run to for refuge. I think the challenge this morning here is in part to do with our attitude and mindset. Are we prone to saying, I'm in control, I can cope with this, and I can find a way through. And so we, we grit our teeth and we think that, that uh, our, our work ethic, working all the hours, our wit and our creativity and our plans and strategies will get us through whatever it is we're, we're trying to cope with. And of course, those things have a place and they are important, but it's very subtle when in our hearts we start to think that those things are the things that will protect us and get us through the tragedy or the hard season. What we're essentially saying, if, if, if that's where our hearts go, is, is that, that with a good tailwind, then I've got enough within myself to get through this. And we're essentially taking refuge in self. Um, it's actually better if we are saying, I can't cope. Because, because that, that's humility. Uh, and, and from humility, we can turn to God. And that is the, the greatest starting point then. That we are going to seek refuge in him, not in pop-up tents. 
So as we face trials, these verses encourage us to consider, yes, God's strength, his strong protection, but also his love. To not doubt that. And the greatest example we have of his love is to look at the cross and to know that he loves us even though we don't deserve it and that we can trust him. So that's the first thought from these Psalms. If God is your refuge, you are protected. And the second thought is this, if God is your refuge, you are secure. We need to understand connecting these two points, what the protection means. And so our second point, if God is your refuge, you are secure. And this comes from verses 5 to 13. And in in these verses, we come to the very center. We come to the very center point of the psalm. In verse 9, it's both its physical center of the psalm. If If you count forwards and back, that's the physical center. It's also the thematic center. This is a device often used in psalms to help us see what the main point is. And and it's saying here, put the Lord at the center of your life. So verse 9, verse 9 and verse 10. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. The psalm, the psalmist is literally saying, put the Lord at the center of And if you do that, no harm will come to you. Now, these verses, when you put it like that, seem to suggest that nothing bad will ever happen to God's people. But actually, what we need to understand is that when bad things do happen, know that you are secure. Now, there is protection for God's people from harm. Later in the psalm, in verse 11, we read about guardian angels, many guardian angels with the believers. But these verses, I think, are trying to push home a point about security. If God is your refuge, you are secure, secure against any threat at any time in any place. So what is it that makes us feel secure? What, um, uh, sorry, what, what is it that makes us feel insecure? What threats do we fear? So just running through these verses, in verse 5, it says, you will not fear the terror of night. What is that something that, that, that comes to mind at night? It's perhaps a fear that is keeping us awake. It's perhaps about being on our own. What is that fear at night or by day? Next line, the arrow by day, the meeting that we're dreading or the individual we don't want to face. Or it could be the news from the doctor or the the latest update from the most recent scan. And then verse 6 talks about the threat of pestilence and plague, plague that seems to stalk indiscriminately in darkness or daytime. It says, a thousand fall, 10,000 at your right hand, 
but it will not come near you. One commentator, Alec Mateer, says that not even an epidemic which claims lives by the myriad can touch the believer's security in God. Let me read that again. He says, not even an epidemic which claims lives by the myriad, myriad can touch the believer's security in God. Words penned for this season. These verses don't promise that nothing bad will ever happen to believers. That's not part of what the Bible says. In our reading from the New Testament, from Matthew 4, Satan quotes these verses, verse 11, to Jesus. Um, and that is what he seems to suggest. Throw yourself off. Nothing bad will happen. You'll be okay. God will command his angels to guard you. You see, when bad things happen to us, if God lets us suffer, the devil wants us to think that God's promises have failed. But, but later in the psalm, when we get to verse 15, we'll see that the psalm qualifies that God will save us in trouble, not from trouble. So even in suffering, God's people have a security from God that can't be lost. In the New Testament, again, in Luke chapter 21, you can look this up, uh, verse 16 and 18, Jesus promises his followers the same thing when he says that under God's care, not a hair on your head will perish, and yet they will put some of you to death. I want to pause again to think about this idea of security. What do we take refuge in? thinking it will give us security. I put four things down in my notes that I think are pretty common ideas of, of refuge, things that we, we take comfort from. The first might be our health. The second, education. The third, our work. And then fourthly, other people. Things in life that we can run to thinking they, they will offer us refuge and make us secure. Now these things, health, education, work, and other people, they, they are clearly good things that we are to enjoy in our life and to enjoy thankfully in our life. But they offer limited security. Surely we've been seeing that in uh, this season of COVID and lockdown, the new normal, whatever it's now called, that the things that we thought might offer refuge and security only offer limited security. In that sense, they are like pop-up tents that offer no real protection, no lasting security. They certainly don't offer eternal security. Well, how is it then that that sort of security is, is ever possible? What is, where does that, that leave us in life? And the answer is waiting. In our last section, we have this thought, if God is your refuge, you will be saved. If God is your refuge, 
you will be saved. Let me read these verses to us. They, they finish the psalm by pointing us to a salvation that will come. The Lord will come personally to save his people. Notice the change of voice in verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord speaks these words. He says he will rescue and protect us. He will answer our prayers and be by our side in trouble. But also there is, there is the promise of, of, of honor and glory, the gift of endless eternal life, the final salvation of our bodies and souls. I think it's the rest that's promised in verse 1 at the start of, of, of the psalm. A rest that's only possible when our enemies are defeated and when all threats have been removed. How is this possible? Well, it's possible because God has made a way. Psalm 91 tells us uh, how Jesus lived. It tells us how Jesus trusted his father completely and trampled the serpent. That on the cross, he defeated the devil. He bore the punishment our sins deserved. He called out, but for our sakes, he was forsaken. But three days later, he was raised to life, honored, given long life and shown salvation. And it's because Jesus did that, because Jesus did that, that whoever comes to him will have this salvation. If you make Jesus your refuge, you will be saved. There's, there's no other way to have God's protection, security, salvation. The Bible says there's no other way. This is the only way that it speaks of finding protection, security, and salvation. It's to be found in a person. It's to be found in Jesus. If, if you find yourself thinking, why do my friends keep, keep persisting believing in Jesus? Then it's because of this truth. It's not just pie in the sky when we die. It's living in uncertain times with certain hope. It's facing our fears confidently because in Jesus, we found God's loving protection, his unshakable security and certain salvation. And he is the refuge that God has provided for us. So come to him. And if we've already come to him, let's live in him, not in those pop-up tents. How do we do that? Well, these final verses tell us in verse 14, by loving him, by acknowledging him, and in verse 15, by calling to him. It's a continuing thing. Let us keep saying about Jesus, my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I ever trust. You, Christ, are my refuge. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for these great words to bring us encouragement and cheer, to help us in uncertain times and with the fears that we face. Help us please to see that they point us to Jesus and help us please to be those who come to him for refuge so that we might know your protection, your security and your salvation. And help us please if we have started with Jesus to be those who continue to make him our constant choice over all other forms of refuge. Help us where we need to repent to do that, to turn away from those pop-up tents and in our hearts to commit ourselves to Jesus and to trust him, to set our love upon him and to call to him today and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.